0: It's good to do communion together, and the essence of what communion is all about. So, sorry, I'm distracted. My wife just stuck her head through the door there, and so I do want to say that I do think she is probably the most beautiful. Not probably, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. But I also say there was two other women who came forward this morning that caught my eye. I don't know if I should say this as a pat. Look at that face. <laughs> And they came from my gene pool. I couldn't even believe that, too. You know, my two daughters came forward. I was like, wow. You know, and so I always think that. But, man, they're growing up. wish I could freeze them. I know Brandon may not wish he could freeze his right now. Get a little bit get a little more self, self-dependent self or self-independent or something along those lines. But, uh, hey, last night we had a good time with uh, Gate City Vineyard and New Millennium, uh, worshiping the Lord and, and praising and um, Man, I had a great time. I think God moved in, in a mighty way. Just, It's good to see churches come together and, and really just worship. Just say, hey, we, we've got eight songs. We're just going to worship, break some bread together, and let God be God. And I definitely think that was the case last night. So hopefully you enjoyed it as well. If you weren't there, maybe I should turn around and not look at anyone, right? If you weren't there, I don't know why you weren't there. I'll just leave it at that. So um, it, was, it was really, really good. I know, I know there's reasons why some of you weren't there, but... Um, Coming out of uh, last night, uh, Pastor uh, Todd and Pastor Wayne and I, we met this week and and we were kind of talking, what, what's our next step? You know, we've been intentional the last year, the three of us, to break bread together, to pray with each other, just to get to know each other and build a relationship along those lines. And so we said, why don't we, you know, bring our families together? And that's why we got together last night to worship together, to do what we're called to do as believers, and that's to give praise and honor and glory to our God. But we also want just to get to know each other better along uh, family lines, as I guess you could say. And so we, we decided to do a picnic at the end of July. So July 29th, you can put it down on your calendar. I know some of you, we know July's a, a month where people are in and out of town. And, and we know it's not fit in everyone's schedule. But we wanted to go ahead and just throw it out. Uh, Burr Mill Park, um, July 29th, which is a Sunday. We'll just do it after our services that we do um, in the morning. Um, I don't know the exact time. We also want to put together some committees, um, like a food committee, a game committee, different things like that. And so I may ask you if if you would join and, and volunteer to help with that, or if you if you something sparks in your heart and you want to do that as well. But we're just going to take the afternoon and and uh, eat, cook out, play games, get to know each other. And if you've been to Burn Mill, which I think a lot of you have, there's two shelters kind of by the swimming pool. There's big open field. There's uh, bathrooms are right there playgrounds right there as well, so you can just let your kids run, and when they get to the woods, maybe they'll turn around and come back. I don't know if that's the case or not, but uh, there's a lot of fun things to do at Burr Mill Park, and so if you'll open up your Bible this morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to finish what we've been talking about over the last two weeks, and I guess today would be the third week, and that's spiritual warfare, and what I've been talking about I think is very relevant to us as individuals and also as a church, because the enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and to destroy, um, whereas Jesus comes to give life. And there's a contrast that is there between what Jesus is saying in John 10.10. 10. And as we got into Corinthians last week, Paul began to identify um, kind of a problem that was going on in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, let me just review a little bit, was a church planted by Paul. Paul went to Corinth and began to plant this church filled mostly with, with Gentiles or Greeks, um, not a lot of Jews within the church. The Corinthian uh, culture, the world that the Corinthian church was in was a very immoral world and, and there was words that we have in the English language that kind of describe the, depri- the depravity of a mind, the depravity of, of the, the physical body that that goes along with stuff that was happening in Corinth that come from Corinth directly, but um As Paul has planted this church, this church was growing, it was spirit-filled, it was doing all the stuff that God had wanted it to do, I guess, that Paul wanted it to do. But as we pick up, and I said this last week in Corinthians, it's kind of in the middle of the correspondence of the Corinthians to Paul and Paul to the Corinthians. They're the lost letters of Corinth, I guess you could say. So we're kind of picking it up in the middle of of this interaction. And what we find is that Paul has, has realized that the Corinthians are facing a time of just uh, division within the church. Basically, they have rebelled against Paul's leadership. They've rebelled against the apostolic leadership, and they basically have, have prescribed, prescribed, yeah, subscribed to this idea that wisdom, worldly wisdom, uh, versus the gospel, the power of the cross, the power of the gospel is is more solid food. Than milk that Paul brought spiritual milk in in regards to the gospel and the power of the cross and all that it's just it's for more infants as the Corinthians would say and they've discovered something that's more solid food that will feed them and that's this wisdom and we looked at Paul uses the word wisdom the Greek word wisdom twenty six times out of his forty four times in the New Testament in the first three chapters of Corinthians and what we're talking about is that this wisdom is is based on worldly ideas. It's based upon um, kind of this, this secularism, this Greek philosophy that, hey, in my mind, because I've been enlightened so much, I know God so well that God would surely be doing this. And it's taken away the foolishness of the cross, that Christ came and he died for us, that he empowers us. And as I said two weeks ago, when we looked at John ten ten, is that... Jesus, the good shepherd, operates contrary to the ways of the world. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life. The thief does this, but Jesus does that. And so this really just uh, reiterates what Jesus has been saying is, hey, the ways of the world will lead to death. It will lead to nothing but bad fruit. And Paul's reiterating Jesus' words that it's the power of the cross, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that sets people free. And I think it's ironic that we sang about it this morning, Three or four different songs talked about victory being in Jesus, talking about all our power, all our victory, all that comes. Our God is an awesome God. He's a mighty God. Why? Because he's laid his life down for each and every one of us. So Paul's coming. He's saying, look, you, you can't buy into this wisdom because your intellect, your knowledge, your worldly ideas, it's just going to lead to that circle. It's just going to lead to death. And we looked a little bit at James, kind of how a thought, once it's conceived, leads to sin, which eventually leads to death. This morning as we get into chapter three, my Bible, which I think I laughed this week as, as I opened it up and started looking at chapter three, says the problem with immaturity. Now I'm using the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I think NIV uses um, division in the church um, as, as a title, and there's some other titles. But I thought, how appropriate is this? Because I think the problem with immaturity exists in the church today. And not just the Big C Church, but, but even here at PIC. Because maturity is not always marked by the number of years that you follow Christ. We think I've followed Jesus for 20 years, I must be mature. Or i followed for five years, I must be mature. And I'm here to say, no, that's not the case. Sometimes we, we think, you know, um, our maturity is how many verses we know or, or how, many, how many verses that we can repeat or recite from memory or how many times that we've had the microphone in our hand leading worship or, or doing announcements or, or, or greeting at the door, well, I must be mature because I've been asked to serve in certain ways. But that's not the case. And I think sometimes we have a problem with maturity, thinking that we've arrived in reality we haven't. And Paul dives into it, and as I said this last week, I think the, the letter here to the Corinthians, the first three chapters, are relevant, very relevant to the Corinthians, but it's also very relevant to us. So Paul picks it up here. He says, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. Because you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? For whenever someone says, I'm with Paul, and another, I'm with Apollos, are you not unspiritual people? So this wisdom that the Corinthians have kind of attached to and they they adhere to, it's stripped the power of the cross away from the gospel message, strip the gospel of its message. It's basically saying, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Whoopie-doo. It means Jesus died for our sins. whoopie do. You know, that's, that's, that's spiritual milk because, Paul, we have found something that's, that's enlightened us that's going to really change the world and transform. It's really said that the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't transform. The work of the Holy Spirit doesn't change people's hearts. And Paul says, let me tell you something. That's not the case and he's coming to correct them. As a result, it's caused divisions within the church. And I think sometimes for us, we've seen it firsthand here as a result of of maybe some people buying into this worldly wisdom and ideas and research and and whatever you want to characterize it as versus really holding to the power of the cross. Paul goes on to say, hey, look, I'm not identifying the problem here in chapter 3. I want to address the problem so we're going to look at it that way this morning. Because here's, here's the interesting thing is, you know, to put it in modern terms, I think the Corinthians would say, hey, we're edge thinkers. We're, we're out there on the edge. We, we've got all these innovative ideas about how things should work and how things should change, how things should be this or be that. But in reality, all they're doing is bringing the world into the church. And we have to be careful not to do the same. The Corinthians think themselves as spiritual beings. And Paul says, okay, that's fine. But let me address something here, because your, your actions show behavior of the flesh. And in fact, he says this in, in, I believe, the first verse. He says, but I would like to speak to you as spiritual people, but I must speak to you as people of the flesh. Now, when you look at this in the Greek, it's, it's very interesting, because he's not saying you don't have the Spirit of God within you, because we know that when someone receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's not saying, hey, you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you, but you've taken on the characteristics of the flesh. And that's how the Greek reads. That you Corinthians, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, but you've taken on the characteristics of the flesh. Not only are you, are you mere human, but you also have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Thus, your behavior should be totally different. Your thinking should be different, and your behavior should be different. But he says, you're acting as if you're just merely human, and you don't have the Spirit inside of you at all. But in fact, you do. And he says, you must stop it. And Paul says, look, it would be okay if you were a non-believer and you were acting this way, but you do have the Spirit of God inside of you. Shame on you for acting this way. And he says, stop it. You are a babe in Christ. You think you're spiritual. You think you're, you're mature. But there's an immaturity that is there, and it must stop. You know, as Paul goes a little bit further, he says, you know, not only are you really acting as people of the flesh, taking on the characteristics of the flesh, you're acting like the present age people of this world. And as I said last week, you know I don't think we're too far from the Corinthians at times because we've let the enemy control our hearts and our minds and our emotions and really a lot of other things within our lives as well. And we have to be careful not to subscribe to the ways of the world and to the enemy. It's easy to see flesh doing something in the flesh and we want to fight back in the flesh. It's easy to see something going on in the spirit and we want to fight back in the flesh as well. The only way we gain victory is by submission to Christ, by by the cross, the power of the cross, by fighting spirit with spirit. But we live in a world that encourages us to take on the nature of the flesh. And if we're not careful and we don't guard our minds and our hearts, then we're going to take on those characteristics, and we're going to fight the world in that way. The command is to walk by the Spirit. That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. You were walking by the Spirit, but as if you've taken the Spirit of God and you've put Him or the Holy Spirit into its little room of your heart, and you only call upon the Spirit when you need an answer to prayer or when you want a blessing but yet you're not allowing the Spirit to transform you in the way the Spirit needs to transform you. Transformation is not an easy process. Transformation is not a fun process because so many times God's asking us, not so many times, almost every time, God's asking us to lay something down, to lay down our own desires, to lay down our own Uh, ways of thinking, our own behaviors, all these things that we deem as as being correct and being righteous and being right. He's saying, lay it down. But some of those things may be that way. And I want to breathe even more life into it. But other times God's saying, I want you to lay it down because that's not the way I want you to go about it. I want you to to fight flesh with the Spirit. I want you to, to make my name known so that I may receive the glory. And it's hard. It's hard to say, Lord, here I am, transform me. It's a dangerous prayer. You know, there's a lot of dangerous prayers we don't pray. Lord, speak to me, because he might actually speak to us, and then we actually have to do something. Lord, change me. We always say change the other person. Lord, transform them. Lord, speak to them. Let them know they're wrong. Let them know this. And the Lord's saying, no, what about yourself? You know, the Corinthians were saying, hey, we have, Paul, we discovered this great wisdom. And in a lot of ways, they don't disagree with Paul. They agree that there's a problem. There's a problem how the church faces the world. And, and, but they've told Paul, look, in our great wisdom and our great worldly knowledge, even they wouldn't deem it that way, we have the solution to it. And Paul says, go ahead, go see how that works for you. In fact, it hasn't worked well for you because the result has been it's created division in the place where there should be no division, that's the church, now, some of you say I follow Paul, some of you say I follow Apollos, because you're, you're listening to what the person says that entertains your ears versus listening to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. And it does the same today. So they wouldn't necessarily disagree, it's just they, but yet they missed the point. They've forsaken the power of the cross and many times we forsake the power of the cross. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the power of prayer, the power of just coming before the Lord and just praying, Lord, change me, starting with that prayer. Lord, transform me. Lord, do whatever you need to do with me, and beginning to bless and pray for others as well. Letting the, the living word of God get deep down inside of us. You know, sometimes we fight the world in ways that that we just naturally know because the word of God hasn't been transformed or hasn't been put into us to allow that transformation to take place. And we fight, and this happens to me so many times, like I respond to something, the next day I open my Bible and I I read, and I'm like, oh, that's the way I'm supposed to respond. I'm always a day behind. Maybe I should read two days ahead and, you know, something like that. But it always seems like it's that way. Paul says, hey, be careful here not to look at the plank in someone else's eye. And in fact, really, the solution to all this is the problem lies within us, within you, and admitting that. It's that self-awareness of saying, you know, God, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. I'm a living living, um, work because you're continuing to breathe into me if I allow the Holy Spirit to do this. And if we're willing to let the Spirit transform us, continually transform us, then the church goes forth in a powerful way. We go forth in a powerful way. Here's the solution. The good news and solution kind of lies within something we may see as a contrast here, the spiritual milk and the solid food. A lot of times I think when we read this, at least I've, I've read this many times, is that the spiritual milk is in contrast to the spiritual food because who wants to drink spiritual milk their whole life? But yet we're all here because we drink milk at some point in our lives. Or at least theoretically, you know, the way nature sets up, every mother feeds their, their young babe through milk. And then as you grow, you're able to take on more spiritual food. But in some ways, you never leave the liquid behind. You never leave milk or, or Coke or whatever you, your spiritual milk is in the process, sweet tea. There's always that combination. And Paul doesn't see these two in contrast. Spiritual milk here represents our salvation, It is is the simplicity of Paul says, my message is very simple. I didn't come with you in words, but I came with you as a demonstration of the power of God. And yes, you may see it as simple, but it changes people's lives. It allows growth. It brings forth life. The power of the cross is there, and it will always be there, and we must understand that. That is the spiritual milk. Reminds me of, the, of the, uh, the parable of the unmerciful servant. How many times do, do we come to the table like this morning and say, God, man, thank you so much for forgiving me of all my sin, but yet the way we interact with the world doesn't show our appreciation because we hold this great debt against others. It's this idea that, hey, God, you have really laid your life down for me, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, the solid food is is understanding that our entire Christian life is built on the foundation of a spiritual milk. It's built upon the foundation of what Christ has done for each and every one of us. That he called us and that we responded by faith. That he's made us righteous, not of our own works, but because we simply believe. Nehemiah says this, and this is really where I want to encourage us. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That give you the right verse. I don't think so, right? I don't think that was it. I think it's Nehemiah says that, right? Uh, is it chapter six? All right. I just got the. I just wrote it down off the top of my head this morning, so I should have looked it up. I admit, uh, two mistakes this morning. Talking about other women in the church. <laughs> you got. You got it though. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. Think about that for just a second. Now, you know, I'm not into all hype. You know, I'm not you know, bouncing off. Well, I had Brazilian coffee this morning. I'm a little bit jittery for some reason. Thanks to Dahmer's bringing this and we're out of coffee and don't tell Carrie I, I slipped in Brazilian coffee. Uh, of course, she, she might figure it out a little bit later. But I'm a little jittery this morning. But, you know, it's not about getting amped. It's not about, you know, being up on a mountaintop and, and, and yelling and screaming. That's not joy. The joy of the Lord is built upon knowing what God has done for each and every one of us on the cross, The joy of the Lord is that God died and laid his life down for me and you so we may have a relationship with him. Strength is equal to our amount of joy. When we ponder upon what Christ has done and and there's a joy that comes forth, an eternal joy that's deep within our soul, there's a strength that comes with it. It goes back a lot of times to identity, identity in Christ and, and, and who we are in Christ. Joy is also being able to receive who we are, that we're a child of God, that we're his workmanship. Where there is no strength, usually there's no joy, if you think about it. And where there's no strength, a lot of times we begin to try to fight in our own strength and try to make things work in our own way. And that's the essence of what Paul is saying. Something has cut in on you, you Corinthians. You You were walking in your faith. You were running in your faith in the way that you should. The church was growing. People's lives were being changed. Your own life was being changed. And something cut in. And you begin to subscribe, not to the power of the cross, but to this worldly idea of wisdom. This, this idea that, they, that what I have given you, what God has given you is just mere spiritual milk. And I have something that's spiritual food that's gonna make me buff and strong and I'll be able to take on the world. And Paul says, no, no, there's a blind spot there. There's a blind spot there that we must overcome. The joy of the Lord is our strength? It's eight, 10. Eight, 10. It's eight ten. Joy, of the Lord is. Our, it does say it at the very end, right? I was right. Well, only one mistake this morning. Yes, one mistake that I admit to. I probably already made twenty or thirty other ones. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. Look, churches, if we're going to fight the enemy. We have to understand one that the enemy is a spiritual enemy. The enemy is not the things we always see. that's the manifestation of it. The way we fight many times, if not all the time, starts at the cross. It starts by coming before the Lord and saying, "Lord, here I am. Lord, here's what I'm feeling. Lord, here's what I see in reality. Lord speak into this and the Lord will take his little knife or big old knife as a surgeon and begin to cut things away in our own hearts you know begin to piece things into our hearts that's called purpose and calling and he'll empower us through the joy the eternal joy of knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior and the identity that we have in Christ and he'll send us back out into the world in the way that we should be the light in the world Too many times we fight each other. It happens so much, so commonly within our our, our common relationships, usually within the family. You see it in marriage or you see it among children, you see it among parent and and child. Some some of the ways that we go about because we're so comfortable with each other that we we don't have this, not necessarily a guarded wall, we shouldn't necessarily have a guarded wall, but we're just like, just throw it all out. Let's just get it all out because now I feel good. And sometimes we just need to go in a different direction. It means many times we die to ourselves. That's the essence of following Christ, that we are to die to ourselves and then take up our cross. Paul tells the, the Corinthians, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remembering what Christ has done for each and every one of us. And I want to encourage you in the same way. Stop fighting flesh with flesh. Stop acting like, like the world. Stop taking on the characteristics of the flesh and those of the present age and being to fight the spirit with the spirit. We sing about victory. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is the victory, the complete, total, absolute victory? Then it should manifest in the behavior that we show for it. it means that we react. It doesn't mean that, that we, we, we don't say things. It doesn't mean we don't do things. It means we allow God to empower us to do those. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for just worshiping you today. Thank you, Lord, that the victory does truly lie within you. Lord, we thank you that you are mighty. We thank you that you are Lord God Almighty, but yet you call us friend. Lord, I thank you for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may we just continue to have your spirit living deep, deep inside of us. Lord, help us not to limit your spirit in any way, but Holy Spirit, transform us, work upon us. Lord, break things that need to be broken. Heal things that need to be healed, Lord. bring life and build in those places that that need that, Father. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that this is not a race that we run, a short-term race. It is a, it is a journey. And, Lord, there are going to be seasons when things of this, of this world may try to cut in. But, Lord, help us to put on your armor each and every day. Help us, our, our minds, Lord, to be defended by, by the ways that the enemy tries to speak to us. Our hearts, our bodies, every aspect, Lord, just, just hem us in on every side. And Lord, may we walk out your purpose to make you known as we know you in greater ways, Lord. May your light shine through us and may may our responses and reactions many times be foolishness to the world around us, but yet bring what it needs to bring, Lord. Lord, we honor you, we thank you. May everything we say and do bring you glory. And Lord, stop us when, when we start to speak or we start to say something that doesn't. Lord, let us not just read it tomorrow in your word, but let us tune our ears to hear your spirit in that moment to do the things that we need to do. Lord, we honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are dismissed. Have a good afternoon.